0: Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about tonight tonight, you go out and just take one more step. One, two, three, one. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined by the Titan of Twitter, the webmaster of View from the West, Mitch Stormer. Mitch, it took me like twelve weeks, but I came up with some nicknames. So you like those? We go with that.
1: Yeah, that's good. You know, as as the as the season uh, ends here, that's no better uh, no better timing. So that's fine. <laughs> All
0: right, Mitch, we are recapping the second round and moving into the quarterfinals. And Mitch, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs. When it's 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 a bittersweet time of year for me because it's it's the best it's you see the great games and the performances and it's so exciting to follow the brackets but man we saw it firsthand this week when when our local teams start going down when they start falling in defeat it's you know it gets a little depressing so you think man these great teams you know their runs got to come to an end at some point we we saw some heartbreak this week from our local
1: teams yeah, I think we started uh, the playoffs with 22 teams and we're down to we're down to our final four here as we move into the quarterfinals. So, yeah, this is just that time of year. You know, um, uh, there's there's no worse feeling than taking your helmet off for the last time. And you, you feel for the kids that had to had to do that this week. Um, but the, they had incredible seasons to, to get to this point and uh, they they can hold their head up heads up high. Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, we do have plenty of football to talk about, plenty of winning football. We got some teams that are moving on, setting up some great local matchups. Before we jump into all that, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's followed along all season long throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs. You know, me and Mitch started this back in the spring and we were kind of just trying to figure things out as we went. And each week, we got more and more excited about bringing that coverage. And I just want to take a minute to thank everyone who's followed along on Twitter and interacted with us and liked and retweeted and, you know, just kind of hung out with us on Twitter and talked some high school football. Mitch, it's been a ton of fun. I'm excited to keep going. But, you know, what do you got to say? We're, we're now almost two full seasons in, I guess, when you consider the, the shortened spring season. But it's been a fun ride so far.
1: Yeah, I, I remember when we, you know, were happy about having, you know, 50 people who would either follow us on Twitter or listen to our to our podcast and now we're closing in on 800 so you know it's, it's hard to say if we would uh, have as much enthusiasm about it if, if we weren't really, you know, uh, picking up some steam here but it's been a lot of fun interacting with fans and um, you know, th- the spring like you said was kind of our our jump off point. And uh, we, I think we've, I think we've made improvements uh, this year yeah. and I think we're, I think we've got some, you know, uh, some good experience now that we're, we're excited for uh, the off season and, and, you know, even getting ready for next season at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we do have a lot of exciting things in the off season. We're not going to go completely dark. We uh, will still be around in the off season. Mitch, we might have to break down some uni view helmets. We might have to look at the helmets from our area. We've talked about uniforms and uh, now we need to dive into some helmets. That'll be an off season project. We got a couple other things that we're working on too. So uh, we're going to have some fun this off season as well. If you want to, you know, get more from us or see more from view from the West, head out to YouTube, Uh, just search youtube.com and uh, head over there and uh, search for view from the West podcast. And you can find us on YouTube. We have videos from old uh, score episodes. We have old coaches interviews from the last couple of years. We also have highlights over the past, about 10 years. And Mitch, I just added the archives yeah. of old state championship games from our local team. So if there's a local team in one of our conferences and they've played in a state championship, we got that IHSA broadcast up there on a playlist. So go check it out. I, I've been diving into it this week. It's been a yeah. ton of fun to, to, to reminisce some old state title games.
1: Yeah, you you started watching, I think, I think the Bureau Valley game was the first one that you watched and that just, that put me down a rabbit hole. Um, And then then you just, you put them in a nice collection. So yeah, for any, anybody who's listening, who, who might be of the, you know, uh, especially any players, um, you know, who, who were either really young or might not even been around for some of those old state championship games, man, go back and look at them because it's it's a lot of fun. There were a lot of good teams from our area in the past. Um, so, so thank you to the IHSA archives for, for having those videos and for putting on such a nice production. Cause it's fun to fun to look back on those games. Yep. Well, before we dive back too far into the past, let's look in the present,
0: Mitch, we got some quarterfinal games to discuss. Let's look back into round two and see what got us to the quarterfinals, man. One of the teams, the hottest teams in our area right now, Mitch has got to be the Princeton tigers. They get yep. another big win 40 to nothing over uh, Prairie central so they advanced to the quarterfinals. The Tigers really limited what the Hawks triple option was able to do. 71 yards rushing on 36 carries. That's an average of about two yards per carry. And they intercepted both of Prairie Central's pass attempts. So a really grounded pound football team was really put in check by Princeton. And when they tried to go to the air, Princeton had the answer there as well. So just a really solid effort all the way around. The defense forced turnovers on three straight possessions in the third quarter, capping off a two-minute period that saw the Tigers score three touchdowns. Logan Glancy had a fumble recovery. Teagan Davis, Danny Shikaki both had interceptions. So just a great effort all the way around. You know, Mitch, we've said his name a lot. Teagan Davis finishes with 117 yards passing and a touchdown and 119 yards rushing and a pair of scores. Man, Mitch, going back to the spring, he wasn't the quarterback yet but we yep. saw flashes of his athleticism on the field and it's really coming to fruition now in big time moments and big games.
1: Yeah. All, all season. That's been, that's been the name, but what, what I really liked in this game, because I was able to watch a little bit of it and shout out to tiger central live uh, Princeton's uh, uh, streaming channel on YouTube. They do a nice job there. Um, this game was one on, on their defense and that's not, you know, um, Obviously, you see some of the scores that Princeton had this year, and they, they had scores like this throughout the year, but normally we talk about how good that their offense is. I don't know that we talk about their defense all that much, but they need to. They allowed, I think it was a first down, I think it was like an eight-yard run on the second play of the game. And Prairie Central didn't have another first down until the fourth quarter. So um, they had just one double-digit run all game, and they, the Tigers held, uh, held the Hawks to no gain or uh, some sort of negative yardage. On 14 different carries, so you know, um, and as you said, there in that third quarter, that defense just <laughs> transitioned right into offense pretty, pretty seamlessly. And when you have an offense like the Tigers do, they're going to capitalize, and they they did. Um, so yeah, this was this was a fun game to watch. Um, just fun to see. That, never that the game was in question, but once you saw that tide turn, and you really saw the Tigers just full gas, a um, lot of fun um and good to see as the uh as the princeton goes to the quarterfinals for the second straight year
0: yep so a couple other uh you know numbers to throw out there augie christensen had a pair of rushing touchdowns logan glancy who we mentioned and matt lucas each scored as well you know offense was productive and the defense was really lights out and you know that's a great recipe for the princeton tigers moving forward they advanced to the quarterfinals For the second postseason in a row, they will take on IC Catholic, who's now sitting at 10 and one next week in Elmhurst. So, Mitch, let's go back and talk about IC Catholic's round two victory. They were on the road at Dupec, they get the win 35 to 12 over the Rivermen. Mitch, diving into this one, IC Catholic would force Dupec to punt on the opening possession. And then they go 49 yards, capped off by a Jaden Mims touchdown from six yards out. I see Catholic really limited what Dupec was able to do offensively early in this one. And just overall team speed really proved itself for IC Catholic. Dennis Mandala connected with Denzel Gibson. That built a he, they connected twice to build a 21-nothing lead. Dupec would find life before the half. Hunter Hoffman would lead a drive downfield with some passing and a little bit of it, you know, using his legs. They'd end up with an 18-yard pass to Trent Hetland to cut the lead to 21-6 at the break. But in the end, man, I see Catholic, they're just so strong. They immediately scored to open the second half. Mandala connected with Corinne Parker on a 52-yard touchdown. And that would pretty much be it. The final ends up, like I said, going on to be 35-12. Mitch, you were able to watch a little bit of this one in and out. You know takeaways from this one?
1: Yeah, so you know, and we we've talked about I C Catholic the past two weeks now because they played Monmouth Rose in week one, and we were kind of grim about it. I was grim about it. Um, they're just a very very strong team. They're they they have elite speed. They have elite physicality, and and the, the odds on favorite in three A. I I would think. Um, and, and so you know, Dupec has nothing to be be ashamed of. It, it's it's just that they 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 ran into this buzzsaw saw here. Um, You know, I I think it was a great, great season, obviously, for them. Um, And and while I'm at it, Greg. Yes. Let me let me go on to something about this. There was there was chatter in our mentions. and I I don't know if it was if it was if we were included in it, but I I at least saw it. Talking about Dupex season and kind of wondering. How they would stack up. In other conferences or you know, how good they were this year, you know, and I just, I hate that. I I absolutely hate that. Here's a, here's a program who is relatively new, plays in the best small school conference in the state. There is no debating that. They play a three-a playoff schedule. The conference is made up of 1A and 2A teams. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't care about that because the NUIC is the, like I said, the best small school conference you know, uh, in, in the state. And so when I see people, you know, being keyboard tough and wondering, you know, how good they were just stop. Like it's just, it's noise. You know, I look, look at who Dupac has lost to and how they end their season. They could lose to potentially two state champions and having beat maybe a third. If, if this season ends with with St. Teresa winning 2A, Icy winning 3A, and Lena winning 1A, that's three state champions you had to play in a year. So don't debate how good Dupec was. Don't tell me that they weren't a good 3A team. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the state. You have a complimentary run game. You have a really good defense. They ran into IC Catholic, who who should probably be playing 4A. So just I saw that, and it, it, it ticked me off. Um, so you know, not going to name anybody. I don't even think they follow us. So they don't listen. So, you know, their judgment is, is, you know, not great anyway. So it just, I saw it, didn't like it. Congrats to Dupac. You, you had a heck of a year and uh, they're only going to get better. Yeah.
0: Mitch, I'll add on to that a little bit. I think from our point of view, from the schools we cover and the conferences we cover closely, let's put Dupec in the three rivers. They're, they're every Ooh. bit as competitive as every team we've talked about this year. I would, in fact, I would have loved to see them play Kiwani or Princeton. Yeah, It would have been great games, right? I mean, the, so that's the yeah. thing. like, yes, they, they play in a 1A conference, but you just named the teams they've played that could potentially all three be state champions. Right. Not to mention you're in the upstate Illini, which is the best small school conference in the state. I think you transplant them into the three rivers, and they're right there. They're competing with three A, four A schools week in and week out, and I don't question that at all. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't,
1: I don't think that's a shared opinion. <laughs> it's yeah, just absolutely. Somebody started, it's just that somebody started talking, and normally I, I wouldn't give it the time. Um, and, but I think and, it's worth. They, I, and I think it's worth. People, it's and they worth they, giving yeah, yeah, it and the time, people. Yeah, they had people defending them of the same notion that we're giving. Yep. So it's worth defending um, it. Yeah, because yeah, right. I think we so really agree. You know, if I, I know that that Dupac, friends of the show, if you saw something on that, just just stop. Just don't even. You had a heck of a year. You you ran into a really good team. Uh you, you were you were the NUIC champions and that holds weight. That holds a lot of weight. Um in in your infancy as a football program. So I look forward to this program. I look forward to them getting further down the road, uh, in the playoffs as years to come. Um, you know, we'll go through, you know, Hunter Hoffman stats because what a historic you know career he had and even a shortened career with the, with the, with his, uh, with the spring season. So keep your heads up Riverman, because it was, it was a great year.
0: Yep. I agree. It's been a ton of fun to cover them going back to the spring when those high hopes were there in a year that was not playoffs. And now it's been really fun to watch them this year you know, to get the big win um, that, they, that the program was looking for over Lena Winslow and to yep. see him kind of perform here in the playoffs. Mitch, how about, how about Hunter Hoffman's last pass as yeah. a high school quarterback? His yeah. final pass, a 37-yard touchdown to Bo Seton. He scrambled, elusive, get around some defenders. A solid, I mean, a really strong pass from an awkward yeah. angle, kind of on the run, on the money. You know, I know you're you're not winning the game, but man, you go out go out on a high note. What a play to end his high school career!
1: Yeah, just you know, evades evades a couple of defenders, and he's running to his left, and that is a a very hard throw to kind of go across your body to throw it three yards, and he threw it 37, um, you know, right to seat. Seaton. So a very fitting end, despite the uh, the outcome, but it was a very fitting uh, individual effort, individual play. Um, and, and just, you know, uh, it was it was who he was, who they were this this year and, and for, for Hoffman uh, in, in his career. Yep.
0: So Hunter Hoffman goes in his final game with the Rivermen, 15 for 30 passing, 165 yards and two touchdowns. Bo Seaton had 73 yards receiving and a score. Trent Hetland, a name we mentioned earlier, picked up 65 yards receiving and a touchdown. Trenton Taylor had a great year you know, just a phenomenal player for this team. And I think a really important player for them to be able to set the tone with the run game to complement the passing from Hoffman. He finishes with 46 yards on the day. um, And then also 23 yards receiving. AJ Mulcahy, he added 24 yards um, receiving. So, you know, overall, Mitch, read through some of these, you know, numbers for Hoffman and his career.
1: Yeah, so, so shout out to, to our friend Kyle Kampmeyer at NUIC football for, for putting this together. He's, he's been a big uh, follower of uh, Hoffman's career and, and had the numbers ready. So uh, he ends his career with 4,772 passing yards and 63 touchdowns. That puts him third in both categories in NUIC history. Uh, on, on his career, he was over 60% of a completion percentage. That's good for second uh, in the conference history. And, and of course, as we talked about, Caps off his career with that conference championship. So, uh, congrats again to Hunter Hoffman and to all the seniors on that team because you you have left a mark that is is going to endear um, for this program for a long time to come.
0: Yeah, and you made mention it placed him third in the NUIC history books with that, including a six game season in the middle there. So, you know, yeah. it's not we've you know we could talk what ifs forever, but as far as personal stats go. You know, he's a few games short of what, you know, he could have possibly had under normal circumstances.
1: Yeah. And I think, I hope I have this right. The quarterback in waiting is his brother. I think. I think there is a quarterback. Yeah. I
0: think his brother is a quarterback. I I don't know if he's next in line, but um, I think he'll be coming through the system soon enough. And that's, I read that during the,
1: yeah. I think he's a sophomore. So yeah. Whether he's the, the QB in waiting, uh, there will still be a Hoffman in Riverman colors next season. And that's, uh, that's something to always be excited about.
0: Yep. So congratulations again to the Dupec Riverman. Fantastic season. It's been a ton of fun to follow them. When you win an NUIC conference title, that's an act. That's you're doing something right. You, you've earned something yep. big. So they got the job done that, you know, in the conference. So congrats to them on a great season, but Mitch, let's move mm-hmm. around. Let's move along into the quarterfinals. In the 3A bracket up on the northern end, this is a game we've kind of thought about. You know, we've looked through the brackets and thought there's a chance we're going to get here. Princeton goes on the road to IC Catholic Saturday at 3 o'clock in Elmhurst. Mitch, IC Catholic beat Princeton 37-12 in the 2015 3A quarterfinals. That was the Tigers' lone loss that year. Um, Princeton had a great year back in 2015, fell short to IC Catholic Mitch, you know, we kind of said it in the beginning of the playoff previews, you know, going into it, we had three schools that had a chance to knock off IC Catholic. Yep. First we looked at Monmouth Roseville and then we looked at Dupec. and now here we go. You know, we got Princeton as our area team going up against, you know, the perennial favorite, the powerhouse. Yeah. What do you think? What, what's Princeton got to do here? I mean, Princeton's a very good football team, but they're going on the road. And I think it's just perception is that I see Catholic is so good. And I know that doesn't, yeah. you know, you keep that mindset out of the locker room. But I think the area, people looking at it, look at it as that way, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's fair to, to say Princeton can have that mindset too, because they've only lost to Kiwani. And since then, they've played really, really well. And I don't think they've really had a close game since then. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see this. I, I, the way that Tegan Davis is playing, he he just gives you he makes the defense think, right? He, he He's such a dual threat that you have to be able to accommodate for both of his, I say both of his skills, but both you know both ways that he plays in terms of, you know,, uh, is he gonna take off and run? Is he gonna have? people downfield is going to find Benesirians is going to find Matt Lucas count for Augie Christensen. So they have such a good offense, um, that I think they match up differently than, than Dupec did. Um, and certainly then more than what, uh, Monmouth Roseville did. So can they play defense the way they did against, against Prairie Central? They're going to have to, um, cause yeah, I see Catholic is, is who they are. They are an incredibly good team. Dupec, you know, held them in check a little bit. You know, they only allowed to, uh, 21 points in that first half. They lost that week nine game. I don't remember who they lost to. So they're not, you know, they're, they're not unbeatable. It just takes the right game plan. Um, and I think it will have to not only be Tegan Davis being on his game, but that defense get a turnover. Do do what you did against Prairie Central get a turnover and score off that turnover you know, flip the script a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to, to seeing this game.
0: Yeah, I think one of the big things that you saw in IC Catholics win over Dupec was getting to the corners, getting to the edges, and really using that team speed. I think can Princeton find ways to match that or at least keep it in check. You know, don't allow, you know, the 50-yard run. Try to keep it in front of you a little bit as much as you can. Utilize your own team speed on defense to get players in the right spots to slow the slow them down as much as you can. And I think turnovers are huge. You gotta get a you gotta get at least one turnover or possibly a second one, and you capitalize on it. Keep the ball out of their hands as much as you can. I think Princeton's an, an explosive offense, but if they can manufacture some drives and keep the clock moving. And, you know, if you, if you got the ball, you limit their playmakers who, you know, who don't have the ball in their hands, obviously.
1: So I think there's, there's something for Princeton too, which will be really important. Yeah. We've seen Princeton put together long drives in terms of yards. It's usually just one or two plays. (laughs) So, you know, can they, obviously they'll take that. They'll, they'll take however that they can, uh, you know, score. But like you, like you said, can you, can you get a drive going where you just, you chip away? three yards, four yards, four yards, three yards, just chip away, keep the ball in your hands. Um, you know, that they have the personnel to do it um, maybe not their style. So, you know, I'll be interested to see if they, if they have maybe just a, a somewhat of a different look here uh, at the same time, what they've been doing is working um, and, and just, you know, all gas on this game because you're just going to have to have it. So uh, looking forward to this on Saturday.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, getting, you know, away from the X's and O's, getting back to kind of where we started this conversation. I think the biggest thing for Coach Pearson and for these players is you can't go on the road to Elmhurst and you can't walk into IC Catholic and be wide-eyed, you know, and yep. and kind of scared by the name on the front of the jersey. And yep. I don't think this team will be because they're, they're playoff tested, you know. And going back to last year, I know there was no playoffs in the spring, but this team was a team that was going to, you know, win their de facto state championship by winning every game they could. And they did, they took care of business. I think that they treated every game as a playoff game in the spring, trying to test that mentality. It seemed like to me, and now hopefully that pays dividends for them now where they're not going to be, they're not going to be shocked what they're walking into. They know they're confident and they can, you know, they can win and they can beat a good team and they're, they're going to have to, you know, if they're going to get this win, they're going to beat a darn good football team. And I see Catholic.
1: Well, even go back to that spring, two different beasts here, but have that mentality that you had against Lena Winslow, you, you know, they had never played before, or you know, I, I don't know less than they did if they ever had, but they knew what Lena Winslow brought to the table and they, they did not let that affect them at all in their game plan. So have that same sort of mentality, whatever it was, like you said, don't, don't be concerned about their history. What's on their jerseys, go out and play tiger football give it everything that you got and see what happens. Cause at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. This should be a great football game. Um, you know, I hope there's a live stream. I think we say this every week for every game we want to watch. I hope there's a live stream somewhere. We'll have to look it up and see if I see Catholic can hook us up with a live stream. Yeah, I, I don't,
1: I don't. Well, they would have been home against Monmouth Roseville, but I don't remember if they had a stream going that day or not. Yep. So Anyway,
0: I hope to get a chance to see this one, and uh, you yep. know, good luck to the Princeton Tigers. I, you know, you got to think that everybody in the Three Rivers is rooting for them now. You know, it's yep. all eyes, all eyes on them. So uh, we'll see if they can get the job done there on the road. Mitch, quickly looking at the rest of the northern half of the bracket, Byron, the number one seed at 11 and 0, who's familiar with Princeton. Princeton met up with them in the semifinals a year or a year ago, back in 2019. They're yep. going up against Reed Custer, the number four seed. Who is ten and one? That game will be on Saturday in Byron at two o'clock. So that's the other half of the bracket. Those would be the potential matchup in the semifinals. So a lot of good football here, Mitch. That's uh, yeah. left to be played in three A. Um, quickly, we'll bounce down to the bottom half of the three A bracket in the South. Tolono Unity, the number one seed, they're sitting at eleven and zero. They're going up against Williamsville, who will come to Unity. That's going to be a great matchup Williamsville. Yep. I know they have one loss, but it was a quality loss to a team out of state in Wisconsin. That was, I think double their size or more really yep. good football team. They lost to that's their only loss of the year. They played really good football all year and a really good program. And then you also have the number two seed Mount Carmel going up against the number three seed Benton. Benton got the win over uh, Monticello the number six seed, but I think that was a, a little bit of an upset just based on what I know about Monticello and the program they've put together. Benton came away with the big win. They will go on the road to Mount Carmel. So that's what's left of the three, a bracket, but Mitch, we got nobody in two a, so we're going to bounce down to class one. A we got a couple uh, winners, three actually, and uh, two of them will play each other, but let's go through what happened in the second round that gets us to the quarterfinals. Mitch, A-Town, Abingdon Tornado yeah. gets the 55-30 to 30 win over Iroquois West. This is an impressive win for the, tro- yep. for the Tornadoes. You know, I think after that round one victory, they got the win over a- over uh, Anawan Weathersfield, And we said, it's survive and advance. But also, even in a win, I think we both kind of looked and thought, man, I want to see, I need to see more out of that Tornado offense. And man, yeah. did, did we get it? We got a lot more out of this tornado offense here.
1: Yeah. Am I going to correct you here so we don't edit? They played United in round one. Correct? No. A town played Anawan.
0: A town played Anawan Weathersfield in round one. They played United in week nine.
1: Okay. And you're right. Okay. Iroquois okay. West. Okay. Iroquois okay. West yep. beat United. Yep. Yep. Retracted. Good. Now, okay. now we can edit it. Yeah. Now we can edit my part. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> look, look. Okay. Look. Um, full disclosure, I didn't see this coming. I truly didn't. I was impressed how Iroquois West played um, in their uh, round one game. They are a, a very good running team. They've got a very big line. they got a really good running back. And like you said, I, you go back to um, a town's game against Knoxville. Offense wasn't really there that day. They lose to United. Their first round game was close. And so I, I truly didn't know how this game was going to go. I didn't expect them to put up 55 points. I truthfully don't know that I expected them to win. Um, and shame on me because they really came out and proved that they're the number one seed here. Um, you know, the, the head coach, Rick Quinn, he, he mentioned seeing a few things in that defense for the uh, the warriors that they, that they thought that they would be able to exploit. And he was right. Um, you know, they found their running lanes and they were able to attack uh, attack all day.
0: Yeah, that was what I really thought was interesting. So the um article that Matt Wheaton, his interview with Rick Quinn in the Galesburg Register Mail, and Rick Quinn, Coach Quinn had referenced that they thought they saw some things defensively and they were really able to exploit it. And so looking through the numbers, Drake DeJanis with a 15-yard touchdown that gave A-town an eight-nothing lead. Next possessions, senior Parker Darst, ran it in from two yards out. Senior Parker Stoneking had an 11-yard touchdown grab from Easton Schischler. That's a 24-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. So I mean, they jumped. They jumped all over a Mitch, and they never looked back in this one. Easton Schischler, 18 of 25 passing for 290 yards and three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Also had 14 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. So I said last week, you know, that I think he can't. I said he could pass when he needs to, but man, he he was passing efficiently and effectively. And, you know, he was able to use his legs, but didn't need to rely on it, you know, really balanced attack from him and from this tornado offense. And that's a big, you know, that's key in this time of year. Dejanis finishes with 12 carries for 64 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Dejanis also had three catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. So great effort by him. Darst had four rushes for 25 yards and a touchdown. So he's, he's their short yardage back getting the, you know, getting the job done down near the goal line. He also had two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. A-Town finds themselves in the quarterfinals for the first time ever as, as their program, as the Abingdon Avon, uh, you know, combined school now. So credit to the Tornadoes. They played really well. They now move on to play Ridgeview Lexington, And Mitch, this was another game that I think kind of surprised me a little bit. Ridgeview Lexington gets the 45 or 47 to 20 win over Peru St. Bede. You know, and despite scoring on the opening drive of the game and holding a lead into the second quarter, St. Bede, you know, their their great season comes to an end against a really good Ridgeview Lexington team. Uh, Physical running back Caden Farrell carried the ball 36 times for 184 yards and three touchdowns also hauled in a receiving touchdown and that really proved to be the turning point. The Mustangs took that lead and never really looked back penalties, turnovers, and, you know, pretty good defense from Ridgeview Lexington in the second half really kept St. beat in check in this one.
1: Yeah. Um, this is, you know, we talked about, uh, um, Princeton being one of the hotter teams. I, I have been really impressed with this, this Ridgeview team. Um, you know they, they won in week one in an, in an upset. Um, I, I don't know if we if we saw it that way, but in terms of, of a seating, you know, it was an upset. And then with the way Saint Bede has been playing, um, I really again, wasn't expecting this either. Um, but that like you said, that Ridger defense just kind of took you know took away anything that the Bruins were trying to do. I know they picked off Brady a couple times, John Brady, the, the Bruins quarterback. And just, like you said, help held St. Bede in check. And that's what you have to do against St. Bede. So, um, you know, I think Caden Farrell had like 1,500 yards this season. So he, he is definitely their go-to guy. Um, and, you know, I would imagine he's going to be the key name when they face A-Town here in the quarters. Um, but, you know, going back to St. Bede, just a great year. John Brady, Tyreek Courtney had great seasons. Um, and even going, when you say year – let's talk calendar year going back to the spring. Um, so, you know, this, the senior class for the Bruins was, was a lot of fun to watch really, you know, have, have, have put their mark on the St. B team um, as I think that they will be one of those, you know, with Fulton out of the track, I think that will be that name that kind of replaces there in that upper echelon of the track for years to come. So, um, you know, a really good, uh, good year for them um, and, and a tough loss in this one.
0: Yeah, you know, this this Colfax Ridgeview or sorry, ridgeview Lexington, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of names thrown into that, thrown into that co-op there. Yeah. But Ridge Ridgeview Lexington, when you look back, they finished five and four and in coming into the playoffs at five and four. Yeah. But when you look back at their schedule, in week one, they had an eight-point loss to Deer Creek Mackinac, ended up being six and three in a playoff team. Yep. They had a loss to nine and zero Downs Valley. Fair enough. 35-14 was the final in that one. But then they lost by one 28 27 to a five and four El Paso Gridley team. They also lost 43 42 to Eureka, who was a six and three playoff team in a bigger class. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think a ball bounce is a little bit different here or there. And this record for Ridgeview, Lexington could look a lot different. And I think yep. the narrative about them would have obviously, the seating would have been different. But I think the story about them would have been different coming into this playoff run. Had they, you know, had a few things happened a little bit differently now that yep. that, that being said, I mean, you know, they were, they were five and four coming in, you know, results are what they are, but right. I don't know, maybe there's more than
1: more than what we saw in the record. Well, yeah, we we talked about that a lot. Um, you know, you see it with like Bishop Mack in two way a um, couple other names that are escaping me at the moment but we we talked about it before on on one of the earlier podcasts that you can't take a whole lot of stock in some of these teams' records just based on
0: um
1: or or, or not based on but taking into account who they play, what conference they play in. Um you, you know for Ridgeview they they only played four games in their conference so their other five games were out of conference. So you know sometimes you just you don't know what you're you're going to get into and you just like we said you can't take a lot of stock in that 5 and 4 record and they've proved it for two straight weeks. Um, and this will be a really good game. The way that they're playing, the way that A-Town's playing, um, that's going to be a a really good quarterfinal, and whoever wins that game, whoever has to play Fulton or Lena, that's going to be a really good game. So, um, you know, without knowing what's going on in the south bracket, I really like all four teams that are left in the north, Um, but, uh, you know, to start here in the quarters, A-Town versus uh, Ridgeview, that's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, so, you know, we talked about Ridgeview-Lexington's defense against St. Bede. And obviously limiting John Brady. And if you're limiting an athlete like Tyreek Fortney, you're doing something right. So I think the yeah. big question becomes can A Town limit their penalties and their turnovers, which Saint Bede really, which really limited Saint Bede a little bit. If they can do that, I mean, I think the way this A Town defense or this way this A Town offense played in the in their last win, that's that's a dangerous combination. I think that Ridgeview Lexington could have their hands full with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if, if they, if A-Town plays the way that they did uh, against Iroquois West, there's no question about that. So, um, yeah, can, you know, what's the game plan with, with Easton Schistler? Can he, are they going to have him pass again? Are they going to rely on the run more? They saw things in the Iroquois defense uh, that they knew that they could exploit. What do they see in the Ridgeview team? You know, St. St. Bede wasn't completely shut out of that game. Um you know, John Brady had two two rushing touchdowns um, that Tyreek Fortney was able to get. Not, not his normal yardage, but was still able to make some plays. So, you know, what do they see here that maybe they can expose this week? So, um, again, this is going to be a chance for A-Town to take that next step. Come back from that week nine loss. You 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 held on to that one seed. Didn't play so well for maybe a three-week stretch or so. Kind of, you know, I don't want to say they limped into the playoffs, but just weren't playing that well. And then they, they turned it on at the right moment. So can they keep that going uh, and get to the semifinals? Yeah. Mitch, we'd mentioned last week
0: that we thought Iroquois West was a pretty big team that they would have a size advantage. And I think we've kind of heard the same thing about Ridgeview Lexington. Yep. So I think that, that might bode well for a town as well. They, they overcame the challenge of being maybe outsized. And now potentially I haven't seen a roster. I haven't looked through, you know, the numbers and the sizes, but, if you're potentially in that same situation, you know, can you use your team's speed and, and take advantage of that instead of, you know, you know, you don't have the size, but you got the speed to take advantage of it. I'm interested to see what A-Town can do here because, you know, they played really well. Momentum is now on their side, which maybe they didn't have that the last couple of weeks, which you referenced. So, um, you know, here we go. You know, A-Town going on the road to Ridgeview-Lexington Saturday at one o'clock. Mitch, now let's go to the other half of this one, a North bracket. First, we'll talk about Fulton was on the road at Ottawa Marquette. Now Fulton had a tough week last week. Um, Larry Jones, who's the father of Jacob Jones, a running back for the Fulton steamers suddenly passed away last week, last Thursday. And, you know, Mitch, he was one of those kind of personalities, one of those faces of the program he helped out with the junior tackle levels. He kept stats for the varsity team and different programs, you know, it was just one of those, you know, kind of one of those spaces that people knew around Fulton and knew around the Fulton program. So just, you know, first of all, our hearts, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody in Fulton. Cause this, it's unbelievable. You know, it's so hard to imagine, you know, having to kind of keep going, you know, in this playoff run through all of this emotion and especially mm-hmm. for the Jones family, you know, we want to give a special, you know, shout out to them. Cause I, I can't imagine, you know, what they're going through right now and to see Jacob Jones and this Fulton steamer team really rise up. And I imagine, you know, do what they can to, to honor, to honor Larry, you know, to honor yeah. Jacob's dad and really step up. And they, Mitch, they played some inspired football, on Saturday afternoon, I was walking the sidelines and you could tell from the opening kick, this Fulton team was ready to go. They were not, they were not going to be denied in this one. You know, Jacob Jones, 12 carries 84 yards, two touchdowns. He also had a receiving touchdown in the first quarter and Mitch, I don't know if you saw it. They threw it to the sideline. He catches the ball with about two or three crusader defenders grabbing at his legs, grabbing at his Jersey He held on, kept his balance on one foot long enough, fought through the tackle, and then proceeds to run about 20 yards after escaping. I mean, just one of those efforts that was not going to be denied. Just really cool to see. And, you know, Steamer's defense intercepted quarterback Alex Graham three times, held Marquette to 137 yards total offense on the day. Like I said, it just seemed like from the opening kick, this was Fulton's day. They, they were yep. not going to be denied on this one.
1: Yeah, so, such a cool, you know, um, a cool thing to see. Obviously, you were there. You saw what the Fulton crowd was like. And, you know, you, you, Patrick Lower said that the, you know, emotion played a big role today. And it did And on, on Jones's reception that you were talking about. <laughs> that was all heart. I, you know, it was, he, he, had, he had nothing, you know, nothing but Crusaders <laughs> around him near him behind him on top of him and he just got away and that was just so cool to see so you know um a a, a tragedy in fulton um and this is just a really nice thing um for the whole community to see a great win for them uh as a program uh but you know more importantly as as a community so um yeah a lot of fun to see i was glad you were there i was glad that we uh, had a you know you had the highlights and you know um it was great to see all around.
0: Yeah, and also you should note that they're, they're now wearing uh, LJ helmet stickers on their helmets, so really nice touch to kind of honor him. A lot of people yes. in the stands wearing sweatshirts that just had the initials LJ on them. So, yep. you know, Larry is certainly being remembered by the players, by the coaches, by the community. And, um, you know, they're, they're like I said, they're playing inspired football right now. Mitch, we talked a lot about Jacob Jones but also his running mate in the backfield, Keegan Van Kampen. We've yeah. mentioned him, you know, and I've seen him a couple times. But in this game, man, he is, he's got some beast mode in him. He's a big-bodied big yeah. running back. And when he grabs the ball, he's not going down easy. He will take a few tacklers with him
1: before he's going to go down. Well, correct me if I'm wrong here, Greg. Give me, give me some info on another big touchdown that they had. Big man on campus, we like to say, so run, yeah. run run me run me through what happened here you you had the video. I love the video. everyone loves the video. Yeah. Uh, run, run me through what run me through what you saw tell tell the folks uh what they missed out on
0: well you know I mean you were you were an intern with me back, you know, walking yeah. the sidelines, and you always know you know you get you get wide eyed as a photographer, as a videographer when you when you see that sweep to your sideline, and yep. Keegan van campen got to the outside, and he had one man to beat and he beat him around the corner, runs right past me and hits a defender into the end zone for the touchdown. Just Mitch, it's, it's the way I draw it up as Mm. a videographer. You just, you love to see that guy coming right at you. And so not, not too close. He could run by me. I don't want to get hit by him at all, (laughs) but yeah. uh, Right. No. Yeah. He, he helped me out. He ran right past me for the end zone. So that was the 28 yard score that got him going. And then the next play or the next he picked off the next uh, possession to get an interception on the next possession. So, um, yeah, he was all over it. Just playing really well. Credit to all the steamers. I mean, they they really limited Marquette could not get anything going on offense and on, you know, the offensive side of the ball for the steamers. They were really effective and really controlled this football game. But Mitch, moving down the way, they'll have a big challenge coming up next. They're going to go up against, they're going to go on the road to Lena Winslow. Lena Winslow gets the win 38 to eight over Forreston. Mitch, what, what a game, what a statement win for Lena Winslow. And man, you know, as big as the statement win was for Forreston in the regular season, you know, the old mentality of what have you done for me lately come playoff time, man, this is the only win that matters anymore. And Lena Winslow, they get the job done. They've gotten the job done in recent years and they, they get it done when they need to in the playoffs against Forreston with Lee Wynn leading eight to nothing. The turning point of the game was in the second quarter Forreston's second drive, driving all the way down to the 17 yard line, They were stopped on a fourth down and seven Lee Wynn would then go on to score the next 30 unanswered points from there. So yep. talking about grabbing control of this football game, Mitch, they really did, and they never looked back.
1: Yeah, this was, this was one that you just, again, you, you didn't see it coming. But then as it happens, you say, oh, right, there's Lena Winslow. That's who they are. That's who they've been. That's why they're the four-time state champs. That's why they're the defending state champs um you know that that old dog will still hunt all day um so if 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 you if you counted them out and i again i went on a a, a spiel about dupec, some teams who maybe are, are discounting lena a little bit whoo that's a take because this team is on fire for the last two weeks um you know, despite losing to Forston in there in, in that week nine game, it did take a last second drive from Forston. Which taking note, nothing away from Forston, but Lena did. You know, it, it wasn't as if the game was out of control by any means by Lena. They saw something. <laughs> they saw something, and, and maybe it was uh, maybe it was just Mari Roby uh, having a Mari Roby day. Greg.
0: Well, yeah. Let's talk about Mari Roby. Mitch, 127 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. He mm-hmm. finished with 166 and four touchdowns. Really great to see him. You know, I hate to say see him back because he's been here all year, but it felt yeah. like it's been slowly building. You know, Ethan Fye got a lot of the carries and a lot of the the numbers in the season. But to see Mari Roby kind of step up on the big stage and just be that guy that we thought he would be, it's great to see it. Cause you know, the injury was so hard to watch. It's great to see him back
1: when that injury occurred in the first game of the spring. We didn't know, you know, we, we didn't really know the, the seriousness of it. We weren't going to speculate, but then even so, no matter what, you weren't sure how he would come back when he would come back. If he would be the same player, if it would be that same dynamic Mario Roby that we, we that we've seen. And the answer has been absolutely, and no more evident than what he did on Saturday. Um, but it wasn't just him. You, you know, you named a couple other names. Uh, Gage Dunker was huge on defense, uh, all, all day long. He had 59 yards rushing too. Ethan Fye, Like you mentioned, Luke Benson had a, had a rushing touchdown and 33 yards passing. So, um, and even on the defensive side, uh, Mario Roby had a fumble recovery. Luke Benson had an had a interception. So you talk about the Panthers really shining on, uh, on both sides nice. of the ball and the way that they're playing now, phew, I would stack Lena up against any other team in one A, as we all kind of expected when the playoff—maybe not when the playoffs started, coming with two losses—but certainly at the beginning of the year, uh, that's what we thought. And it seems like the uh, the Panthers have uh, have hit their stride at the right time.
0: Well, Mitch, the last five times that Lena Winslow and Forreston have met up in the postseason, we referenced it last week. The mm-hmm. last five times they've met in the postseason. The winner has gone on to be a state champion. Ooh. So, yeah. yeah. So that certainly bodes well for Lena Winslow, getting the win over Forreston. They now have to take on their new rival in conference, Fulton. Yep. So this game, Fulton at Lena Winslow, Saturday at 1 o'clock. Mitch, I was really impressed with what I saw in Fulton. You know, what I saw in their offense and what I saw in their defense, they played a full solid football game, but you look back at the regular season result and man, Lena Winslow ran past him. Now that being said, I think Patrick lower was hurt in that game. Quarterback Patrick lower was hurt in that game or got hurt in that game and was out. I think that certainly had an impact in it, but what's, what's it take? You know, I I'll put you on the spot here. What's, what does Fulton have to do to, to keep this Lena Winslow team in check?
1: Yeah, well and let me let me start by saying that I, I talked to my my guy up in Lena and they're, they're certainly aware that Fulton is a much better team than they were in week seven. So um, they the Panthers are not going to be looking at that game um, in terms of at least the result though they'll probably certainly watch it. Uh, but as you said if they got Patrick lower healthy, it's going to be a, a completely different team. so um, I think we have to see a lot from Fulton uh, like we did against Ottawa start fast score quickly um, because you saw how the Panthers can do it because they'll do it right back to you. They'll do it tenfold if they're, if they're able, because that's what they did uh, here against Forreston. Um, So they're, they're really going to have to get lower going. They're going to have to get Jones. They're going to have to get Van Campen. Um, You know, they're going to have to get those guys going. Brock Mason's going to have to have a, a game on both sides of the ball because as we've said, when Lena is clicking, they had 200 yards rushing in the first half um, against Forreston. And so uh, clearly they, they've they lost. They're beatable, but it takes a special type of game to do that. So, um, and on the Lena side, just keep, you know, keep doing what you've been doing the past two weeks. Rely on your players, Roby, Dunker, Fi. you know, let Luke Benson run, let him pass if he needs to but ultimately let that defense keep doing. You shut out or I think they shut out Aurora Christian, right? And then they uh they only allow a really good Forreston team to eight points. So, um that is just uh, I'm I'm excited, Greg. I I I I would love this this matchup, uh this rematch uh cuz I don't think it will be like it was in week 7. I'm looking forward to seeing what Fulton can do um and looking to see if Lena can keep it going.
0: Mitch, we we talked about it last week when it
1: was Lena Winslow and Forrest and meeting up
0: again, it's hard to beat a conference team twice. You know, yeah. it's hard to beat a team, you know, again, after you've already done it. Um, and in this case, it's an uphill battle for Fulton because they, you know, they, they know the result of the, the last game. But I do think, you know, there's something to be said. Even going on the road, you got to beat a team again. You got to figure out a way for a team that's coming after you. Lena Winslow is battle tested. There's certainly no, you know, no shortage of playoff experience with this team, with this group. Yeah. Certainly with this coaching staff. But um, you know, they're gonna have to figure out a way to keep, you know, this Fulton offense in check, an offense that's really coming on strong right now. And can Fulton capitalize on some turnovers? You know, can they can they turn the ball over? Can they get turnovers like they got against Marquette? I mean, I, you know, you force Benson to be uncomfortable in the pocket or make him scramble mm-hmm. a little bit and you know, force that throw in there. I don't know. We'll see. But um, you know, I think if, if you're Lena Winslow, I think coming into the playoffs with two losses, you could not be any more excited about the way your team's playing right now. I I think you're that, that is such a distant memory now. And it's, it's, they're playing with such momentum. You know, it's, you know, they're a dangerous football team this time of year, which we've seen in the, you know, the previous years. And I think here we go again. I think they, got to be one of the odds on favorites but man the way Fulton is playing right now and like we go back to their they're playing inspired football they're playing really well they're also like Lena Winslow playing really well at the right time this this is a great this is a great matchup this is the you know the atmosphere at Lena Winslow is going to be awesome it's NUIC country in the quarterfinals of the IHSA it's it's perfect this is what you draw it up for you know at the beginning of the year so it that should be a really good football game
1: yeah, I, I can't wait. And like I said, both both teams, uh, whoever comes out of this one, uh, I would like in the semifinal too. So, you know, we talked about the forest and Alina history in terms of, of who comes out of that game as the state champion. I, you know, I don't want to make that same assumption with this, but both teams are playing that good to, you know, maybe necessitate that conversation. Or if we look back, we'll say, yeah, we were right. Because um, they're, they're, they're both playing so well. And uh, it's going be, gonna to be a dogfight, I think, on Saturday.
0: Yep. So that fight will happen in Lena one o'clock Fulton on the road against Lena Winslow. We'll see what happens in that NUIC showdown. And as Kyle Kantmeyer is quick to point out, the NUIC is guaranteed a team in at least the semifinals. Again, you know, I don't know how many years in a row it's been, but you know, this conference never fails to get that far.
1: In the South Bracket. There was an upset this weekend. Central a was going up against Camp Point Central. Yeah. Camp Point Central was the number one seed. And AM, and uh, the defending runner-up in 1A, having lost to Lena uh, in 2019, they cruised 28-6 to 6 in this one. Um, maybe an upset, maybe not, uh, but certainly an eye-opener. They're going to take on Arcola. And as the other uh, quarterfinal there, the second seed, Carrollton, coming in at 10-1. and 1. And maybe the team that we liked out of the South all along, Athens, coming in at, uh, at 10 and one. So maybe not as much star power as you see in those other, another divisions, but, or other classes, I should say, but these are, these are eight really, really good, good football teams left.
0: Yeah. I was, um, I was impressed with central A&M getting the win. Yeah. Like you said, over camp point central, I was really high on camp point central. I, I liked their resume when you looked at their scores in week eight, they beat, central a 44 to 14. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. And that's, I was kind really... of a,
1: a very, a very Lena like win. Um, so could we see a rematch? Could we see Lena and a and again in the state championship game? You never know.
0: Yeah. I think our is always in the mix. They're always a good football team, but yeah, that is certainly one to watch for. And then the other thing that kind of catches me catches my eye, um, I thought Carrollton would win Maybe would put up more points um, in that win over Greenfield Northwestern. They get the win, and hey, you know it's surviving advance this time of year. But um, that score kind of caught my eye a little bit. And uh, man, Athens puts up 57 over Cesar Galleir. Yeah. They're a team that I think we all kind of pegged as maybe one of the favorites coming out of the South, and they looked that part. So just kind of recapping, yep. yeah, it's Central A and M against Arcola. That game will be on Saturday at 2:30 in Arcola. And then Carrollton and Athens, that should be a really good football game. Um, That one's in Carrollton at one o'clock. So Mitch, before we move into eight man football, I do want to let everyone know we will go back at the end of the show and we'll talk about Moline and we'll recap their round two game. We'll talk Kiwani, Sterling Newman, Erie Profitstown. I don't want those teams to think that we forgot about them. We will talk about your round two matchups, but let's get to eight man Mitch and talk about teams moving into the semifinals, they're around ahead of what the 11 man crew is. So right. they're now moving into the state semifinals. We'll start with the number one seed, the Polo Marcos, 11 0. They get the 62 to 52 win over Milford Cisna Park. <laughs> yeah. Mitch, this game, this game is kind of <laughs> what you expect out of eight man football.
1: And this was yeah. kind of that
0: wild back and forth scoring that you expect to see in eight man football.
1: Yeah. So just taking a step back this was uh, not only a rematch of the only two eight man uh, state champions in eight man history. It's also a rematch of the 2019 state championship game. So uh, two really good programs um, in eight man. So this was, this was going to be a fun matchup from the start. Um, and then when, <laughs> just looking, you know, looking at the rundown of this game, in the first half alone, just, yep, you know, um, Milford System Park scored four straight times on their first play from scrimmage in the series on runs of 57, 64, 51, and 53. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yep. Um, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, talk bad about Polo's defense because they've been, they've been good all year. Um, but that is, that's a whole lot of scoring and a whole lot of, of big plays early. Uh, and put him in a hole. Polo was down the, the number one ranked team in eight, man. They were down 20 to six, uh, and then down 26 to 16 uh, in the second quarter. But then Polo woke up.
0: Yeah, you know, I think Polo was kind of a little bit shell-shocked in what was happening, because they were, yeah. you know, they were getting kind of hit in the mouth to start. As you reference, Angel Salinas and quarterback Sawyer Lufoon were the big runners on those plays, on the four touchdown plays that really gave Milford, Cisna Park, all the momentum. And Mitch, we'll take a quick pause here. We're watching the game. We're watching the mm-hmm. Bears game as we record. It has been really hard to ignore what's happening. Uh, the Bears took a lead, and then they just gave it back on a field goal. So, uh, anyway. Sunrise, sunrise sunset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's keep moving on in the eight-man ranks here. Polo would take their first lead of the game in the third quarter, 40-38. to 38 but back and forth it would go. Milford says the park would go up 40 to 44 to 40, but Polo would answer making it 48 to 44. Yeah. Marcos Marcos would finally, they would get a big stop. They would force two tackles for loss and an incompletion. Brock Soltau would then get his fifth touchdown of the day. And that would put them up the critical, make it a two possession game, which became huge. Milford would cut the lead again. To fifty-six to fifty-two,
1: and Mitch, that's where we get some real weirdness here. Yeah, th- this so, is where we <laughs> needed, this is where we needed you to be there to be catching this action because I want to see video of what happened here or or what didn't so, happen. So um, here we go. Yeah, so yeah, here we go. Run, we'll describe it.
0: it. Polo marches downfield. They get right on the doorstep of scoring again. The play from the two-yard line. Quarterback Tyler Meridian trying to avoid scoring to keep the clock running. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Milford is waiting for him to cross the goal line because they yep. obviously want him to score so they can get the ball back. Yep. So there's this bizarre kind of standoff where for a couple seconds, nobody's moving. So right. <laughs> really weird. I would love to see video of it if it exists. I haven't seen it anywhere. Soltau would end up um, getting into the end zone or Meridian would end up getting into the end zone to play later, I believe. And then Soltau, after Milford got the ball back, Soltau would end the game with an interception. So it really didn't make much of a difference anyway. Yeah. Soltau ran for 134 yards. Avery Grenoble ran for 189 yards. Mitch, here's maybe the stat of the game. It's gotta be the stat of the game. Yeah, Polo, I, I think so. Polo outscored Milford Cisna Park 14-4 to in point after attempts. So mm-hmm. 10 points ended up being the difference in the final score as well. So yeah. there you go. I mean, you know, as the game's happening, you think, ah, well, we didn't get the two point conversion or ah, we missed right. that, that extra point of kick. But man, right. as it starts to add up in an eight
1: man game, it becomes critical and you really saw it there. Yeah. And um, in Again, it's hard to say if that was was truly the difference in the way that this game played out, but it is an interesting, you know, uh, like you said, it, it may not seem so significant um, during the game. But as you get closer and closer and the score, you know, stays tighter and tighter, you look back and think, oh, if I would have made that, we would be in a completely different situation or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, like you said, this was an eight man game. This was a lot of fun. Um, and, and what a great way for two great eight man programs, uh, to, uh, to showcase, you know, the eight man game, uh, and congrats to Polo, uh, to, to go to the semifinals for the second straight year. Um, maybe the third straight year. I'm not quite sure. Um, and they're going to play a really hot West central team. So that, that'll be, that'll also be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So Polo is moving on. They will play West central. Like you referenced West central beat South Beloit 56 to 28. Mitch, interesting to note that in the spring, West Central beat a top-ranked and at that point defending state champion Polo Marcos. Well, I guess they're still defending state champions because we haven't had right. one since they defeated Polo in Polo forty-two to six. So I know we talked a lot about West Central last spring or in the spring yep. had a really great season, and they've had a good year this this fall. They've been a little banged up, but it seems like they're back playing really good football. That's a very intriguing semifinal matchup. Um, Polo looks great, but man, West central is playing great football as
1: well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so again, different, you know, different teams, certainly in the spring um, or uh, presumably different teams than now in the fall. So uh, you know, can, is a going to be on the Marco's mind? I don't know. But, um, but West Central is certainly going to try and, you know, keep their, uh, their street going here. Uh, and this'll be, this'll be a fun, you know, leave it all on the line type of game. It could be a shootout like we just saw with, uh, with, with Polo and Milford Cisna Park. I'm looking forward to it, uh, to see who can make it to the championship game, uh, and whoever they play, uh, you know, um, is going to be a pretty good opponent too.
0: Yeah. So let's move down into, um, Orangeville defeated Martinsville 48 to 20. Broncos led this one 29 to 6 at the half and never really led up. Gunnar Lobdell would lead the way for Orangeville with 225 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Braden Cahoon picked up 95 yards rushing, 27 yards receiving, and a touchdown. Well, Carson Rote also added 67 yards rushing to go with his 77 yards passing and two touchdowns. And the bears just kicked a field goal and he missed it from 65 yards that would have won the game. So, Oh, look good. Mitch. I thought it was, yeah. I thought he was going to hit it. Yeah. Uh, no, wind how,
1: here. no wind here in short. Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah. It was pretty short. <laughs> okay.
1: I didn't see it. it. Was, I just, yeah. I saw it was, it,
0: you know, direction looked good but I couldn't see anything else but uh, yeah might have
1: been might have been good from 55 but it hit the it hit the it hit the B right in the middle of the end zone so yeah just (laughs)
0: okay all right well I thought the podcast would be a distraction from the Bears games who wouldn't have to watch but we actually had a reason to watch and got excited for two seconds there but uh, right anyway so let's talk
1: about some let's talk about some winning football teams here,
0: Greg. <laughs> well, Orangeville gets the 48-20 win, like I said. Yeah. Also, Nate Anderson had 42 yards receiving and a touchdown. So Orangeville moves along. <laughs> they were now in the semifinals. They would take on the winner of Amboy and Milledgeville. And Mitch Amboy gets the upset win over Milledgeville 28 to 18. I got to give credit to the Clippers here. This is a big time win against the Milledgeville team that had gotten a lot of, a lot of kudos from us throughout the year. And, uh, you know, even from Kyle Campmeyer had them picked to win his state championship. And I I had them pegged to be there as well. And I thought that Milledgeville had a chance to win a state title. So let's go through it. After a scoreless first quarter, the teams traded shots in the second Brennan Blaine hauled in a 45 yard pass from Tucker Lindemeyer. That gave the Clippers an eight to nothing lead. The missiles Ashton Nobis would respond. They would fall short of the two point try. So the Clippers would lead eight, six Clippers would respond again on the next drive. Kyle cook with a first touch of the game hits pay dirt from 40 yards out for a 14 to six lead. The 14 to six lead would hold to late in the second. And this Mitch, this ended the second quarter. This was the play of the game for me. Clippers at the halftime horn. They throw a deep ball from junior quarterback Tucker Lindemeyer to wide out Caden Wittenauer. Lindemeyer drops a perfect pass to close to the pylon. Wittenauer was able to haul it in. That gave them the 22 to six lead at the half. And Mitch, just talk about stealing that momentum when it's a 14, six game, then you go up 22, six. And I know it's, it's eight man football, but Lindemeyer then comes out, puts the game out of reach following an interception. They go to take on, to take a 28 to six leads. Like I said, it's eight man football. Anything can happen with scoring, but when you grab that momentum and then you build on it immediately in the second half, man, I give credit to the Clippers. Lindemeyer threw for 147 yards on uh, seven passes. He added a rushing touchdown (laughs) and that interception on defense. So, you know, what a win for Amboy.
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely did not see this coming whatsoever. Um, no, no offense to the Clippers and to the, <laughs> the fans at the Harbor, if you will. Um, it was just that Millersville was playing so well, uh, with, you know, um, uh, with Connor and I and, and that whole offense, just, they were really, really tough all season long. So, and boys hit their stride, uh, you know, Clippers are riding a wave here, Greg, uh, at the right <laughs> time. So, um, you know, back to back. I don't, I don't remember who they beat in week one. Um, or uh, in, yeah. And in week one, I should say, I'm sorry.
0: In the first round of the playoffs.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they,
0: they had to get past the number seven seed Aquin. Yep. And then they had to get past Milledgeville. So they, yeah, they've, so, earned it. Yeah, I mean, they've had to go through the heart of the NUIC here.
1: Right. So yeah, battle, battle tested and they're, they're just playing really well. So um looking forward to this game um with with Orangeville um you know Orangeville obviously this is their first year in eight man so they're they're really playing really well and can they stop this really really good really hot Clipper team um and then see who would move on to uh to get to the championship game now in the regular season and this was just in week eight I think it was so three weeks ago Orangeville won this one 55 to six Greg yeah so you look through
0: it and uh you know Amboy, they're going to have to keep the upsets coming. You know, like you said, against this Orangeville team, which has looked really good. But here we go again, Mitch. In the semifinals, you have Polo going up against West Central. Yep. You have Amboy Lamoille going up against Orangeville. So there's yep. three out of four semifinalists are from the Northwest upstate Illini. We t- And yep. maybe not the name we thought. Maybe we thought Milledgeville would be there. But either way, and maybe even more so in this case, the proof is right here that the NUIC is the toughest conference in small school football. And maybe in any level of football, eight man now has become, you know, the next, the next thing that that the (laughs) NUIC really has taken control of. Uh, We said it, you know, all year, I think a championship in eight man goes through the NUIC and here it is laid out for you.
1: Yeah. They'll they'll at least have a, a representative in the championship game might have two might have a champion. So yeah, uh, sound like a broken record with with as good as NYC has been all year in, in both both divisions, all divisions, I should say. Um, and so, yeah, looking forward to these two semi semifinal games because, as you mentioned earlier, they're a week ahead. So we're gonna we're gonna be, have a state championship uh, before the others, uh, and that'll be really exciting because they play at Monmouth, correct, in their state championship. Correct, Friday,
0: November nineteenth, seven p.m. at Monmouth College. Um... Maybe I'll have to make a road trip on a Friday night to catch the eight-man state title game.
1: I, the, the people want the highlights, Greg. They want to see those goal line stands where no one's doing anything. They want to see <laughs> six, yeah. they want to see 6252. They you know they want to see it. So yeah, that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. And again, I think we've said it every single week. If anyone from the I should state is listening, please let us know what needs to happen for eight-man to get sanctioned, to have that officially recognized by by your organization as a state championship until they figure that out really happy that they do their own thing. And uh, it, 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 you know, uh, it means the same thing to me and it means the same thing to them because they're state champions. So, uh, but let's, let's get this thing sanctioned, please.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've covered them all year long and it makes no difference to me, whether they're IHSA or um, you know, their own organization right now, but I think they deserve to be IHSA recognized. They deserve to play the same weekend as the other state championships so yeah, I agree, Mitch. Let's make it happen. Find a way to make it happen. Hopefully, we'll get there sooner than later.
1: Then have them play the Iowa State champion. Put them up against each other. See who <laughs> yes. they, you know. They, they Iowa does it. They, they yep. recognize eight man in Iowa. So uh, I, I would put a I would put up Illinois teams against Iowa teams. So would love to see that too. Uh,
0: you're you're onto some great ideas here. Just keep the ideas rolling. All right, Mitch. Let's move down. Well, I guess move up. Whichever direction you want to consider, we're moving. We're going to talk yeah. a little bit about some of our schools that fell short, that you know aren't yeah. going to be advancing on, and we'll talk a little bit about their bracket that they were involved in. So we'll go up to Class 7A. Moline falls 30 to 26 to Willowbrook Villa Park. Yeah. Mitch, you watched this game on Friday night, man. This yeah. was a tough one, a tough one for Moline. They played great football and just came up a little bit short.
1: Yeah, they really did. They were they were trailing early. They they fell. Uh, 10-0 in the first and then they came back. They were leading 26 to 17 at half. Um but but right at that right at the halftime break is when I, I don't want to say things turned necessarily because that was more in the fourth quarter. Uh but Moline's strategy might have changed a little bit. So let me these are on back to back to back plays. At the end of the first half, maybe the best catch of the season for the Maroons, Matthew Bailey, the, the Western Big Six receiving yards leader. Uh, all great receiver for them this year. Uh, has been banged up a little bit recently, but he comes back. He makes this highlight, real catch, jumping backwards, arms fully extended over two guys. It was a you got lost if you've ever seen it. It was great. Um, and it, it was either the next player two plays later. Uh, Alec Ponder, quarterback Alec Ponder, was rolling out and just heaves one to. You know, uh, who else but, but Bailey. He is running on a post route. He is streaking down the middle of the field. Full extension. Gets the ball into the end zone. It is a touchdown. That, that euphoria quickly turns because Bailey doesn't get up. He's holding that shoulder that he had hurt previously, that he landed right on it, which, which goes to his toughness. One, you make that play. Two, you hang on to the ball. Um, it, it, it coach Morsey later said that it was diagnosed as a broken collarbone. Um, and that's just, again, it, it goes to his toughness, but it also, it's the last catch he ever, he ever has in a Mullen uniform. It is such a, an incredible catch for a touchdown in an important moment. Um, and, and I think we tweeted it. So if, if you can go back down our, our timeline a little bit, a couple of days and find it super, super plays. Um so there there they were. They were up 26-17 at half, but you lose a player like Bailey, it's going to change your mindset a little bit. Um, they and they had a chance too here even with uh, with Bailey out. Right towards the end of the half, uh, how they took the lead, I should say, was another circus catch. Ponder's running around, he just heaves one to the back right if if you're if you're, you know, following along, back right corner of the end zone. And Cranston Wall gets out of his defender and just hauls in this Hail Mary right as time expires. Uh, and so at that point they were they were up, I think it was 20 to 17, maybe 19 to 17, either way. So they do get a Hail Mary. So they get Bailey's catches, they get Wall's catches. Everything was really going for for Moline in the first half.
0: Yeah, it seemed like I saw the play that um that Wall made. Um just an incredible, you know, incredible catch. And then on top of Bailey's play, just you know, credit to him, credit to Alec Ponder, to, you know, the dynamic offense that they led in the spring and now, especially in this fall season, um, you know, but once Bailey went out, I, you know, it just, it's hard. I think, I think the dynamic changed a little bit heading into the second.
1: Yeah. And they, you know, they, they abandoned their passing game a little bit, but they were still running the ball. though. All their running backs, Riley Fuller, Cranston wall, Mason Woods had a great game. Gav- uh Gavin Grace, they really were, were very good. They were really effective on the ground and controlled the clock for much of the third. Um, but then, then, then the fourth happened. Um, and, and Willowbrook kind of showed why they are, you know, why they've been to the quarterfinals for five straight seasons. Now um, they got aided a little bit by that by that uh, Bailey injury. Moline kind of got into the penalties, turnovers, uh, Willowbrook ends about scoring Moline 13 nothing in the fourth quarter. Play of the game uh, was really from Willowbrook. This is how they took the lead. Uh, it, it was kind of like a jet sweep pass to Joey Tamilty. And before we go there, that name should sound familiar to some people in the quad cities. Joey Tamilty is the son of Scott Timilti, who is Augustana's all time leading rusher. Uh, so a cool connection there. His brother, uh, I believe it's Sam Tamilty was the quarterback when Willowbrook beat Moline in the playoffs in 2019. So the, Willow, the Willowbrook team, the Tamilty family, uh, certainly very uh, familiar with the Maroons here. But back to this play, it was a jet sweep pass that they took to Tamilty. He throws it 56 yards. I, I don't have the receiver's name. Uh, he caught it and ran 25 yards or so into the end zone, just kind of pulled away from the Moline defenders um and and that was it um later later on the Moline did have a chance they had the ball fourth and inches with two minutes left they end up fumbling and uh and Willowbrook would get it back and run out the clock so just a tough way tough way to go it was a great game it was a great game to watch um but but such a tough way to go for Moline they had such a good year uh Western Big Six champs exciting season And it was just a tough way to watch, watch these kids go, go out.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they, they battled and they, they gave it everything they had. You look back at what their, their one loss in the regular season was by two points. Yeah. You know, and now you look at this loss was by four points when they had a lead at half. I mean, they were obviously in every single game they played, they battled this team really. I mean, they've made such improvements from the spring. Yep. where you saw flashes of them being a good football team. But, you know, they were still building. They were kind of a work in progress in the spring. Yep. And it really came to fruition in the fall. You know, credit to Mike Morrissey and his staff and credit to Alec Ponder and mm-hmm. to Matthew Bailey and to, you know, a lot of these guys that you've named. Um, yep. You know, Riley Fuller, Cranston Wall, Gavin Grace. Just, you know, they, they really took a hold of this Moline program and, and made it something really special this season. And, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause you know, you have an injury to a key player in the middle of the game and you try to keep things rolling and it's, you know, it's hard to keep things rolling and against a really good football team. And they come up a little bit short in this one. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll be back, you know, a lot of these players yeah. will be back and um, you know, Moline's going to be tough, you know, be tough moving on. Mike Morrissey has shown, you know, his resume proves it, that he'll have a competitive football team year in and year out.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, you know, don't have the rosters um, in front of me here, but I, I would expect no matter who Moline brings back, they're going to be a contender in the Western Big Six uh, next fall, because uh, that's just what, you know, the direction that this uh, program has, has been going, has been building up towards since, like you said, in the spring. Um, And they were in this one against a really, really good Willowbrook team. It's just uh, it's the way that it broke for them uh, on Friday night. And uh, as I said, it was it was a great game to watch. It was a great playoff game, just a heartbreaker. uh, And I'm sure it was was pretty emotional for for the Maroons, but not to take away from their season. They had a great year um, and we fully expect them to to be back uh, next season uh, for, for Willowbrook, they, they move on, like we said, fifth straight year, they go to the quarterfinals, they will take on Wheaton North, um, in, uh, in 7A. Yeah,
0: so they'll take on Wheaton North, and then the other half of that northern upper part of the bracket in 7A is Mount Carmel and Brother Rice, so certainly game, big yeah. names, big names when you move through that 7A bracket, um, so, Let's Mitch, let's move into class 4 a another team in our area. That's had a great season that, you know, you really hate to see their season come to an end. Kiwani falls short 48 to 21 against Chicago Phillips. You know, Mitch, this is a good, good Chicago program that we've talked about. You know, Phillips has risen up and become the premier program in Chicago, you know, in the city of Chicago, winning state championships. Um, you know, Phillips senior running back Jahan Walker scored all four of his touchdowns in the first half that gave the Wildcats a 28 nothing lead. He finished with 226 yards on 11 carries mm-hmm. junior running back Deshaun Hill at 119 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries senior quarterback, Tyler Turner, seven passes for 130 or 123 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, they just, you know, they had a lot of weapons and they really got the job done in this matchup against Kiwani. The Boilers got on the board in the third quarter. Quarterback Will Bruno would connect with one of his favorite receivers, Justin Johnson, on a 25-yard touchdown pass. The the hero from their previous win, Brady Clark, had a point-after attempt. He made the kick to make it 28-7. to A key moment on the next possession for Phillips they convert on a fourth and one. They later go on to score. So that kind of immediately takes back any momentum that Kiwani had built up. Yep. Kiwani would later, Bruno would hit Camp Connolly for a nine yard scoring toss. That would make it 34-14 with 413 left in the third quarter. That would, another score set up by, that would score was set up by a 75 yard run by senior halfback Keontas Patterson. Man, bitch! what a year he had. I mean, he yep. was a name every single week. We were calling him out. He made some plays this year in the Princeton game. Man, I'll never forget those plays. Those are some of the best plays, highlights I've seen in my time covering high school sports. He, he was a dynamic running back back there. I'll miss seeing him, you know, playing for Kiwani. But, um, you know, a couple more touchdowns from Phillips. That would seal the game. Another dynamic athlete, you look at Boilermakers, senior quarterback Will Bruno, 16 yep. of 24 passing for 163 yards, three touchdowns. Jordan Johnson had seven receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. Patterson would finish with 117 yards. Man Mitch, this was a fun Kiwani team to watch, and they just yes, they fall a little bit short in the you know in this second round.
1: Yeah, you know, you just went through the numbers and it was it was a very effective, uh, you know, offensive attack here for the Boilermakers and just ran into a really good Phillips team uh, who was coming off a really good win against Dixon. Uh, Dixon had a great year. So um, Phillips, a team that we expect to, to compete, um, you know, they got they got a tough one in the in the quarterfinals with Richmond Burton. But that's what you that's what you run into this time of year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was a lot of fun for Kiwani. You know, they, they, they are, are co-division champs in the track. Um, you know, had a, had a great, great year. We're, we're going to miss calling, you know, names like Bruno and Johnson and Patterson. Um, but as we've said with some other teams here, they, they really left their mark on this program. Uh, and I think Kiwani is going to be better for it. And uh, not, sure what's, not sure what's next, what, what's coming up in, in the fall. Uh, but this team certainly uh, was a lot of fun to cover.
0: Yeah, they were a lot of fun to cover credit to Brad Swanson head coach out in Kiwani and that coaching staff for, you know, putting, putting Kiwani on the map this year. I think that this has been a program that had been building that had some success, but maybe this was kind of, you know, taking it to that next level. And I think that they'll continue to, you know, continue to build and it'll be interesting to see, you know, moving forward if they're going to always be a 4A team or if they fell into the 3A bracket, would things look a little different? I don't yeah. know. You know, we'll, we'll find out, I guess, moving down the road, but I think there's still plenty to be excited about. If you're a Kiwani fan, I think that yeah. they're, you know, they're a program that's on the rise for sure.
1: Yeah. A lot, a lot of fun wins, you know, obviously even going back just one week to uh, to beating Plano on a last second kick, a lot of memories for the Boilermakers. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we look forward to seeing them again in, in the fall and uh, what, what next year's team brings.
0: Yep. Well, quickly looking at the rest of that 4A bracket, Mitch, how about some big names in 4A yeah. waiting in the quarterfinals? <laughs> yeah. Jol- Jol- uh, Joliet Catholic. Yeah. Go ahead. Joliet Catholic is hosting Genoa Kingston. So that's 11-0 Joliet Catholic versus a 10-1 and Genoa Kingston. Richmond Burton will take on Chicago Phillips, who we just talked about. Then down in the Southern half, you have Rochester taking on Freeburg, Breeze central taking on sacred heart Griffin. So <laughs> there's a potential. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's a who's who uh, in IHSA history. That is a really stacked, really fun group of teams. Uh couldn't even begin to guess who's gonna be the last two standing and certainly who the last one will be, but uh because it could be any one of those those eight teams.
0: No, I think I think everybody down south kind of has their eyes on a Rochester and a Sacred Heart Griffin semifinal battle to
1: see who's going to decalb. Yeah, if you if you had if you had Joliet Catholic and Richmond Burton, uh and then Rochester and and Sacred Heart Griffin, who yeah, that's those are those are like two state championship games in the semifinals. And then the actual state championship is just like dessert after a five course meal. So yeah. 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 What's left in 4A is super exciting.
0: Well, Mitch, we'll move into class 2A. We'll skip down to class 2A. We talked about 3A already, but um, Wilmington comes away with the 42 to seven win over Sterling Newman. I mean, Wilmington's undefeated this year and they certainly showed why they ran for 431 yards in the first half. And they cruised to the win in this one. Their first four touchdowns from Wilmington were 40 plus yards. So, I mean, they they led 42 nothing at halftime. It's few and far between that you see a lopsided score like this with Sterling Newman on the wrong end of it. And it, you know, they just ran into a really good Wilmington football team.
1: Yeah. I I think Wilmington reminds me of Newman teams of old, a team that is just going to run down your throat. They're going to control the clock and they're just going to run over you around you through you, whatever. Um, and, and you know, but let's, let's give credit to Newman here because they were, they were three and three, right? Yeah. Coming off of a 41 to nothing loss to Princeton. Um, and turned it all the way around to, to host a second round game. Not a lot of teams do that. Um, but it, it shows what kind of what kind of program that, you know, uh, uh, Coach Kretzmer and just Newman in general. Obviously, that that history speaks for itself. But uh, in, a, in a position in the regular season that Newman isn't in a lot it being three and three. So, uh, you know, tough game here. Wilmington looks really good in two Um, But, you know, um, great, great season for the Comets. You know, there there was no there was no quit in the comments. You know, Ethan Van Van had a had a uh, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, with scoop and score to get them on the board to avoid the shutout. So that was good to see. Um, but uh, yeah, their their great season comes to it comes to an end here at seven and four.
0: Yeah, you know, against a really good Wilmington team who now moves on to play Bishop Mac Bishop Mac yeah. in the quarterfinals. So. Bishop McNamara gets the 42 to 27 win over Erie Prophetstown. Mitch, I before we get into the game, I just I gotta give huge credit to Erie Prophetstown because man, yep. you talk, I mean, I don't know, not not to get too far, you know, down the down into the weeds about it, but you talk about communities the size of Erie and Prophetstown yep. Yep. going on the road to a team in Kankakee, Illinois that, mm-hmm. you know, brings in students from how big of an area who knows. Right. And I I know I'm not going to get into it because I, I don't know what the answer is either, but either way, man, Erie profitstown went toe to toe with this team and played really well for a half and maybe a little more of a football game. Yeah. And they just, they, you know, they just came up short. Erie profitstown was leading 21 seven on Bishop McNamara. They had touchdown runs of 40 yards and 11 yards from Ethan from um, from Colby Franks, an athlete that has been so much fun to watch this year. They had the 21-7 lead, but man, Mitch, thing, talk about momentum, and it it is crazy in football. Bishop McNamara's Jaden Wright returned a fumble for 73 yards to score with 26 seconds left in the half. Then the Fighting Irish get the ball back with eight seconds left. They score on a play from 31 yards out to tie the game 21, 21 Mitch. I mean, 26 seconds left. You're winning. You're leading 21, seven going. You think going into the break and all of a sudden you're smacked in the mouth and it's 21, 21, you know, coming out in the second half. I mean, the stars for both teams traded shots in the third quarter, fighting Irish running back, Tony Phillips and Panthers quarterback Colby Franks each scored in the quarter. Phillips ran in from 68 yards on a third and four and then added a 20-yard touchdown run after Erie Prophetstown had a turnover on downs. Phillips finishes with 199 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Franks finishes with 158 yards and three touchdowns on 28 rushes. He also threw for seven passes for 117 yards and a score Connor Sibley ran the ball for 58 yards. Jace Grunder ran for 61 yards. Uh, You know, uh, Broxton Folliger, two catches, 44 yards and a touchdown for Erie Profitstown. They ran for 263 yards on 50 carries. I mean, Mitch, they did everything they could. I mean, you know, they, they fell short, but man, they battled and they went toe to toe with a program that is, is a powerhouse and you know yeah. they play big time schools their conference you know resume is huge and Erie, prophet sound wasn't phased and i give them all the credit in the world for that
1: yeah like like you said what what a season it was uh you know winning that outright division title for them for the first time in school history for two communities that really you know uh, are are football rich that's been a good program for a long time it was a good program when i was playing Um, but this, this, you know, this season got them to the next level. Um, And like you said, they, they were playing the way you have to play against a Bishop McNamara Um, and just (sighs) football happened. You know, it's just, it's the things that can't go wrong, but do go wrong. Even if there's nothing that you did to cause it, um, the Irish just had the momentum in this one. And, you know, when you have the defending 100 and 200 meter champion as your running back, you know, and he breaks free. That's hard to stop. So um, just, just an unbelievable, I I, I really want to see the year end stats on this Erie Town team, Um, not just for Kobe Franks, even though his stats are just going to be absurd, the whole team, um, because it was just a special season for them in the track and to get into this position. And as we've, you know, we talked about with Newman and a couple other teams, just ran into a really, really good opponent that, you know, uh, that, that's going to happen uh, this time of year.
0: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that Bishop Mack was a win away from, you know, a loss away from not making the playoffs at all. So, yeah. you know, they had to win to get in, and, and they've earned it, and their schedule is, you know, is tough. They're battle-tested, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, You know, I hate it. I don't like seeing the, you know, a big, huge – School, you know, not a huge school. Their enrollment is what it is, but from a huge area. And, you know, they're they're sitting down here in 2A, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Kiwani battled and came up a little bit short. You start looking around this class 2A bracket. Wilmington and Bishop Mack will play in Wilmington 5 o'clock on Saturday. Man, that one's going to be a showdown. Because, obviously, we've talked about the pedigree of Bishop McNamara and the run they're on right now. But Wilmington is sitting undefeated. And Wilmington is a team that has been 3A or above, I believe, in years past, but their enrollment's yeah. not quite where it used to be, so they've fallen down now into Class 2A as well. And then you look at Downs Tri Valley sitting at 11 and 0 against Farmington sitting at 11 and 0. So that yep. northern half of the bracket has a lot of really good football teams waiting around. And then, Mitch, I haven't even started to get into the southern half of the 1A yeah. quarterfinal matchups. This one to me is the marquee matchup. Mm-hmm. Decatur, Decatur St. Teresa against Breeze Modern Day. I think yep. Breeze Modern Day has what it takes to win a state championship. I've said that since before the playoffs started, but they're going up against a really good St. <laughs> Teresa. Team. I see your face. I see what you're saying yeah. there.
1: Yeah. Uh, we saw, you know, Teresa a little bit when they played UPAC in the middle of the year. Um, and again, one of those teams that should probably maybe be playing 3A, but whatever. But they put up 60 plus points in both weeks so far. So uh, no, I do not see them losing. Um, the <laughs> other game, the other game in that in that Southern bracket, uh, you saw Pana beat Moro Forsyth. Pana, but close. Sure. <laughs> um, they beat Moro who who is a, a perennial, uh, you know, attendee to DeKalb. Yep. Uh, and then Nashville, who's the defending runner-up in two A. So they're still they're still sticking around. So yeah, these are really good games. Um, you know, going back to teams that you know we've been familiar with this year. Wilmington. The only time Wilmington's been scored upon was a turnover on offense. Their defense has not allowed any points this year, or in this playoffs, I should say. I'm sorry, winning fifty five wow. nothing, and winning fifty five nothing, and then you take away that scoop and score, they they would have beat you in forty two nothing. Yep. Uh, and then down Stry Valley after Rock Ridge gave them all that they could give them in the first round, they come back and win 42 nothing over a really good DMAC program in round two uh, and, and Farmington just keeps doing what they've been doing all year. So uh, kind of like we saw in 4A, this is a lot of fun. This is, these are, these are going to be four really good games here. Um, and, and two really good, you know, or I should say uh, there'll be four, four teams left. That are going to be really, really good programs at the uh, at the end of the uh, end of the weekend.
0: Yeah, well, Mitch, maybe I'll just i'll i'll call it. I'll put it on upset alert. I'll say Breeze Modern Day, and then we'll we'll go against each other here.
1: Sure. Yeah, I I, I'll, <laughs> I would take Teresa in that. Um, again, going back to Wilmington and McNamara, McNamara being the 13th seed with four losses. Kyle Kammer likes them in this matchup. So I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say with how well Wilmington is playing. Uh, Erie certainly showcased that you can score on, uh, on McNamara. So we'll see. Um, But as we said, there'll be four really good teams coming out of this two way and excited to see who it'll be.
0: Man. Can you imagine Bishop Mack and Wilmington in Wilmington at night? Starts at five o'clock on Saturday. Man yeah. that that place is going to be up for grabs. That's going to be a really exciting football atmosphere. A lot of fun football. Mitch, I didn't think we didn't think we'd go long this week, but I think we ended up going long again.
1: Can I can I give you one interesting stat?
0: Yes, always. Always.
1: In 6A. Yes. Springfield who uh who beat Rock Island in week 1 in that 94 to 72 <laughs> Barn burner of a game. You, you
0: say it as if like I forgot, like as if anyone yeah. forgot that score.
1: Yeah. yeah, they give up seventy-two again in the second round, but they fall this time to top-seeded Lamont. So defense, uh, not not a thing. They practice in Springfield. So uh, probably, I would imagine, the only time in IC history that a team has, uh, certainly in the playoffs, that has allowed seventy-two in back-to-back games. That's
0: crazy. They gave up yep. seventy-two points in back-to-back weeks and one was a yep. win and one was a loss that is yep. yeah i don't think you're gonna see that maybe ever that that's a yeah. truly bizarre stat yeah
1: yeah There, the uh a lot of a lot of like we talked about with a couple other classes when you get to these bigger when you get to 6a 7a certainly 8a the 8a names that are left are just are, are just nuts but 6a you know uh carry grove crystal lake central Prairie Ridge, Lake Forest, Lamont, East St. Louis, uh, Crete Monet. So, you know, as we as we get forward, even though some of our teams' uh, seasons have come to an end, um, you you just see the, these programs that are that are in here year end and year out, um, just traditional powers. And so, if, if even if your your team that you root for or team that you play on, if you're listening, watch these games because the, these are these are a lot of fun to watch you know, things you can take from, because these are programs that are there year in and year out. Um, and it's, it's really, really good football as you get to the, the bigger, uh, not not to say the small school isn't good football, but as you get to the, the bigger classes, um, it's just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. That East St. Louis team, I haven't seen them yet. I've seen their scores and I've seen some of the teams they're playing, like, man, they play a big boy schedule. They play, they play a tough schedule and they don't back down from anybody. So, uh, you know, yeah. that's a team that, you know, they're a program. They're maybe the best program in the state, you know, at this point right now yeah. with the, with what they're putting together down there. So, uh, you know, they're playing, their losses are from a team out of California and a team out of Florida. So sure. that's sure. <laughs> that, that type of resume. Oh, and between those two teams, they have only lost one game. So those right. very good teams at that. So. Yeah. They, they certainly have the resume, but all right, Mitch, if we're starting to talk about teams from California and Florida, I think what's probably yeah. where we've yeah. tapped out everything we could possibly talk about. So, uh,
1: yeah, the list, the listeners have long, have long stopped this podcast.
0: So <laughs> I hope not, but you never know <laughs> if you are listening, thank you so much for sticking around for, uh, staying, for staying in here and listening and even catching the joys of, you know, the thrills of winning bears and then the agony of defeat in losing yeah. bears. we we covered the gamut throughout the podcast, but, uh, yep. anyway, Mitch, we'll be watching football this weekend. You'll be, yeah. uh, you'll be the Titan on Twitter and, uh, you know, the webmaster keeping all over it. And,
1: uh, I may be at a game. Yeah, no, uh, gonna... no Friday night games this week. So that's, that's a change. Yeah. Uh, well, so you'll yeah, have a Friday our,
0: night off Mitch. So go, you know,
1: yeah. um, <laughs> I'll, I'll see. I don't know if there's any games being played on Friday, uh, anymore in any class. So yeah. Um, but Saturdays, you know, we've got, we've got four teams left. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of great matchups, um, you know, just kind of running through it one more time. We'll have, we'll have Princeton against IC Catholic, which we're, we're really excited about. Um, you've got a town going up against Ridgeview Lexington and then, uh, the big one in our eyes. Fulton and Lena and then, uh, eight man as well. We got the, the semifinals and eight man with, uh, with Polo and West central and then Orangeville and Amboy. So yep, uh, season's coming down to an end, but we got a lot left. I think we got, we got a lot more episodes in us, I think.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, teams drop off and that's, you know, that's is what it is this time of year, but each team that advances makes that next game that much bigger and that yep. much more exciting. And we're, we're in, we're, we're talking about it yep. week to week. So thank you so much to everyone who listens, Mitch. We will see you next week. Everybody go out on uh, Twitter on Saturday now and uh, follow along. We'll be keeping tabs on all of our games and some other games that have impact from around the state and uh, head out to YouTube, check out some highlights on there. And uh, Mitch, we'll talk to you in a week.
1: Sounds good. Can't wait.
0: That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along, and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter, at Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, Westpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.